First Baptist Melbourne podcast, making disciples here and everywhere for the glory of God. If you have your Bibles today, and I hope you do, you turn with me to John chapter 20. Uh, if you don't have a copy of the Bible in front of you right now, the words will be on the screen behind me uh, here in just a moment. Uh, but you know, just a second ago, we were praying together for, uh, for hope and for peace for all of those who have been affected by the situation with the coronavirus. Uh, and even as we pray for that, I know that we're hoping um, that this pandemic will come to an end soon. We're hoping that a vaccine will be developed Soon, But, you know, really our hope uh, is not ultimately in uh, a vaccine. Our hope is not ultimately uh, based on the CDC. Our, our hope is not ultimately in what happens in Washington, D.C. The reality is our hope actually isn't ultimately about anything that might or might not happen in the future. We have hope today because of something that has already happened. We have hope today because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The fact that the tomb is empty is the reason why every single one of us today can have hope. Uh, friend, again, I'm so thankful uh, that you have joined us for this special Easter worship service. And uh, my prayer today is that we would discover that the story of Easter uh, is not just some uh, ancient story about something that took place 2,000 years ago that has nothing to do with our lives. I hope that we will discover today this truth, that your life story is the story of His life. Let me say that again. Your life story is the story of His life. And I say that because Jesus's story has everything to do with us and it has the power to even change our stories forever and ever. Uh, when Jesus was on trial that first Good Friday morning in front of the Roman governor Pontius Pilate, in a sense, our lives and our uh, eternities were on trial as well. When Jesus went to the cross and he was crucified there and he hung there, for six hours. Really, our lives and our eternities were hanging in the balance that day as well as Jesus was paying for your sin and for my sin. And what we're going to see today is on that first Easter Sunday morning when Jesus rose up from the dead, that our own resurrection is wrapped up with the resurrection of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And that is why our life story really is the story of his life. Well, let's read the wonderful story of that Easter Sunday morning together. This is John's account of the resurrection of Jesus found in John chapter 20. Let's start reading together in verse 1. The Word of God says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. And so they both ran together and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. 
Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. And he saw the linen cloths lying there and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. And then skipping down to verse 19, we read this. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the story of Easter, the story of our risen King Jesus. We pray today, uh, Father, that as we look at this story together, Lord, would you speak to us? Would you fill us with hope and peace and joy because of what happened that first Easter? We ask it in the name of our risen King Jesus. Amen. Well, there are really two stories that I want us to see today. And the first story is, is the obvious story that's here in this passage, and, and that is Jesus's story. Now, of course, what we just read is not actually Jesus's entire story. It's just a part of Jesus's story. The reality is Jesus's story has no beginning. In fact, as one person long ago put it, there never was a time when Jesus was not That's because Jesus is the eternal Son of God who has always existed along with the Father and the Holy Spirit. But 2,000 years ago, God sent us His Son. Jesus became a man. He was born to Mary and Joseph and laid as a little baby in that manger in Bethlehem. That's the part of Jesus' story that we celebrate every year at Christmas time. It's amazing to think about that, that our God would become flesh and become a man in order to come and to pay for our sins. And we read in the Bible about how Jesus grew up, about how he lived a perfect life. Uh, we read about the miracles that he performed, uh, about the people that he ministered to, hurting people that he reached out to with his grace. We read the messages that Jesus gave us, and all of this is written down for us in four books of the Bible, four accounts of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John, the book that we're reading from here today. And in all four of these books, we read especially about the last few days of Jesus' life. It's the whole reason why he came. We read about how Jesus voluntarily laid down his life and died on the cross to pay for our sins. We read about how they took Jesus' body down from the cross, how they wrapped it in linen strips of cloth and spices, and they laid his body in a borrowed tomb. And then we read this part of the story that happened a few days later on that first Easter Sunday morning. A woman named Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early. We know from the other gospel writers that some other women Uh, went to the tomb along with Mary, but John keeps the focus on Mary herself. And Mary had such an interesting story. Mary was a woman we read about in Luke chapter 8 who was filled with seven demons until she encountered the Lord Jesus Christ and her life 
was radically transformed. I don't know how many of you have been watching the new show, The Chosen. I haven't uh, watched all of it, so I can't vouch for all of it. But I know the very first episode of that show, The Chosen, features the story of Mary Magdalene. And uh, while it is probably not appropriate for children, uh, the story is told in such a powerful, powerful way. I know if you download that app, The Chosen, and watch that story of Mary Magdalene, I know that it will have a powerful effect upon you. And how amazing is it that the very first person who comes to the tomb that morning is a woman who had been demon-possessed until she met the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it just reminds us that the grace of Jesus is able to reach any of us, no matter what our background is. When we meet Christ, our lives can be transformed. Mary and the other women came to the tomb that morning because they wanted to finish the burial preparations for Jesus But when Mary got there, she was shocked to discover that the huge stone that was blocking the entranceway to Jesus' tomb had been rolled away and that Jesus' body was not there. Now, Now at this point, Jesus having risen from the dead was the farthest thing from Mary Magdalene's mind. She just thought that someone had stolen the body. And so she takes off running and she goes to tell Peter and this other disciple who is referred to as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now that's actually a reference to John, the author of this book of John. That's the way he refers to himself without having to put his own name in the story. And so Mary Magdalene runs to tell Peter and John. Again, she thinks that the body has just been stolen. She says, I don't know where they've taken his body. And so Peter and John hear that. And then in verses 3 and 4, we read about this foot race that happens where Peter and John run to the tomb themselves to investigate the situation. I just, I just love that John puts this little note in this book uh, that he outran Peter and he made it to the tomb first. You know, I wonder when Peter first read this account in John's gospel, if he gave John a hard time about that. He said, well, you just had to put that in there, didn't you? That you were faster than I was. And here we are 2,000 years later, still reading about what a slowpoke Peter was. But I really think that John just wants to give us an accurate account of what happened. Because even though he got to the tomb first, he tells us that he stopped at the doorway and he stooped down and he looked through the entrance. I think it just shows us kind of the character of John. John was more reflective. He was more reserved. And yet being reserved was not a characteristic that Peter had at all. And so even though he got to the tomb second, he runs right by John who's standing at the doorway. Peter goes right into the tomb. And then we find out in verses six and seven what Peter saw. It says that as he looked at the place where Jesus's body had been laid, that he saw the grave clothes lying there. Bible scholar John Stott says that the grave clothes would have been lying there much in the same shape as Jesus' body, almost like a chrysalis after a butterfly emerges from it. The Lord Jesus had a real body, and yet it was a glorified body. And as we will see in just a moment, it's a body that was able to show up in the middle of a room, even though it had a locked door. And so Peter sees the grave clothes lying there, and then separately he sees uh, this head covering that had been around Jesus' face, and it's wrapped up and folded neatly and lying in a separate place. Uh, We can't know for sure, but I like to think that Jesus himself folded that 
head covering that morning and left it lying there before he left the tomb. Peter sees all of this, but he doesn't know what to make of it. But then in verse 8, John finally makes his way down into the tomb. And this is what it says in verse 8. It says, Then the other disciple, who is John, who came to the tomb first, went in also, and he saw and believed. Remember, John is the one who is writing this. And so what he's giving us here is his testimony of the first moment that he believed that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead. And his testimony is that as he walked down into that tomb and as he saw the grave clothes lying there, that in that moment he believed. That makes John the first one in this account who believed that Jesus had risen from the dead. He didn't fully understand what had happened. Verse 9 tells us that. Peter and John didn't understand yet that the Old Testament scriptures had already predicted that Jesus, the Messiah, would rise from the dead. At this point, they didn't know that, but John knew what he saw. He knew he saw that the tomb was empty, and John knew what that meant. Friend, maybe today Jesus is inviting you for the very first time to step down into the tomb just like John did and to see with your eyes of faith and to believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has risen again. Well, we read down in verses 19 and 20 what happened later that night. All the disciples were huddled together in a room. It's possible that it was the same upper room where they had met on Thursday night to take the Lord's Supper with the Lord Jesus. And while John already believed that Jesus, Jesus had risen again, and Peter uh, possibly had already had another encounter with the Lord that afternoon, uh, the rest of the disciples weren't so sure what to think. The scripture tells us that they were huddled there in fear from the Jews. I know that right now we're, we're kind of in a, a self-quarantine where uh, as we seek to abide by our governor's 30-day safer at home order, uh, we're trying to stay behind the doors of, of our home and, uh, and to keep uh, more to ourselves. Well, for very different reasons, as we have seen here, the disciples were self-quarantining. They were staying behind a locked door, not because of a fear of spreading a virus, but because of a fear that uh, they might be apprehended by the Jewish leaders who had just executed Jesus. And uh, they had a fear that they might be next. And so that's what was going on in their hearts and in their minds that night. Uh, They were dealing with many of the same emotions that we're dealing with right now. They were dealing with feeling isolated, feeling alone. Uh, They were dealing with feeling discouraged, not knowing uh, where the light was going to be at the end of the tunnel, where hope was going to come from. And, And then they were dealing with fear, as the scriptures tell us. And yet in the middle of that fear and that worry and that discouragement, the glory of Easter shows up right in the middle of that room. And I'm sure the disciples could not believe their eyes as they saw the risen Christ standing there. And Jesus looked at them and said to them those words in verse 19, peace be with you. How much they needed to hear that word peace at that very moment. Because of what Jesus did for them and for us on the cross, they could have peace. They could have peace with God. They could have peace with each other. They could have peace within their hearts because of the resurrection of Jesus. 
In verse 20, it says that Jesus showed them his hands and his side. He, he wanted them to understand that he was uh, really there, that he wasn't a ghost, that he wasn't a phantom, uh, that he was, in fact, the same one that they had seen crucified and nailed to that tree that was standing in front of them. And the reality is we need to understand that today, 2,000 years later, just as much as they needed to understand it then. We need to know that this story of Jesus is not a myth. It is not a well-conceived fable, but this is a real story about a real person who really died and was really buried and who really rose again and was standing there in front of his disciples alive after he had died. This is the good news of the Bible. And this is how Paul put it in his letter to the Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians 15, he said, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures, that He was seen by Cephas, another name for Peter, and then by the Twelve. This is the good news, friend, that the Son of God came that he lived, that he died, that he was buried, and that he rose again. And that good news brings us peace, it brings us hope, and it brings us joy. Notice again the last line of verse 20. It says this, Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. As one person put it, the basic mood, the basic emotion of Easter is joy. You know, so far we've looked at Jesus's story, but now we need to think about the other story in this passage, and that's your story and my story. You know, we said earlier that our story is the story of his life. But, you know, in order for that to be true, it, it's, it's not enough that we just hear Jesus's story. It's not actually enough that we just know about the resurrection of Jesus. We need to know the resurrected Jesus. And we need to know him in a personal way. And we have to have that moment like John had when we walk down into his tomb and we see and we believe that the Lord has been raised from the dead. You know, really, John chapter 20 is filled with stories of individual people and their personal encounters with the risen Lord. You know, we didn't read it earlier, but if you look in your Bibles in verses 11 through 18, you can see that Mary Magdalene actually goes back to the tomb a second time after she ran to tell Peter and John that Jesus's body was missing. When she comes back to the tomb, she still believes that Jesus's body has been stolen. And so she's weeping there at the tomb. And she is still weeping even after she sees two angels in the tomb and they ask her why she's weeping. And she says, because they've taken the body of my Lord. I don't know where they have taken it. And then she turns around and Jesus is standing there in the garden. But at first, Mary doesn't recognize Jesus. We're not told why that is. It's possible that Jesus looked very different than he looked when he was suffering on the cross. It's also possible that Mary could not make out what she was seeing through the tears in her eyes. It's also possible that the Lord supernaturally prevented her from being able to recognize the Lord, much as he did in Luke 24 with the two disciples who were walking on the road to Emmaus. And so she doesn't recognize Jesus. She thinks that he is just the gardener. But finally, in one moment, when Jesus looks at her, and in verse 16, it's so beautiful, 
When Jesus says one word, her name, Mary, and when she hears the Lord say her name, she realizes in that moment that it's the Lord. And she falls down and she clings to the Lord. Uh, you know, I believe that some of you are listening right now and you have a sense in your spirit that the Lord is speaking to you, that the Lord is calling you by name, just as he called Mary that morning in the garden. He's calling you and inviting you to believe in the risen Lord. And friends, when that happens, when we personally meet the Lord, he changes our story. And like Mary, we go from sadness to gladness, and it happens in just a moment. What we discover when we come to know the Lord is that true joy is not found when we just try to live for ourselves. True joy is not found when we just live so that we can accumulate as much wealth and as, as many things as we can. That's not where true lasting joy is found. No, true lasting joy is found when we enter into a personal relationship with the God who created us and the Savior who died for us. And when that happens, when we come to know Him, He fills us with, with a joy and with a purpose that can never be taken away. Another thing that happens, another thing, another way that he changes our story is that we go from fear to peace. You know, we saw that earlier when we looked at the story of the disciples who were huddled in that room that Easter Sunday night. They were afraid. They thought that perhaps they would be the next to die. But then Jesus shows up in their midst in the middle of that room and the words that he spoke and even just his presence filled them with a sense of peace. You know, I believe right now as we're reading God's word together that Jesus is showing up in your family room. That Jesus is saying those same words to your heart. He's saying, peace be with you. Maybe you've never known that kind of peace before, but you can experience that peace. We find that peace when we come to know the Prince of Peace in a personal way. You know, verse 24 tells us that when Jesus showed up that first Easter Sunday night in that room with the disciples, there was one disciple who wasn't present that night. His name is Thomas. And when the other disciples told Thomas that Jesus was alive, the reality is he didn't believe it. In fact, he made the statement, I'm not going to believe that Jesus is alive Unless I can put my fingers and the nail prints in his hand, unless I can put my hand in that wound in his side, only then am I going to believe that Jesus Christ is alive again. You know, some of us are, are wired kind of like Thomas. We're a little bit more skeptical, a little bit more reticent to believe. And uh, we, like him, say, I, I just need more evidence. I just need more proof before I'm going to believe in the Lord. Well, you know, the next Sunday night, a week after Easter, Jesus appeared to the disciples again. And this time Thomas was there in the room and Jesus said to them once again, peace be with you. And then Jesus turned and he looked at Thomas in the eyes. And of course, Jesus already knew what Thomas had said to the other disciples. Jesus knows every single one of us perfectly. He knows everything that we have ever said and everything that we've ever done. And so I'm sure it took Thomas off guard when Jesus looked at him and said, Thomas, come here, put your fingers right here in my hands. Put your hand right here in my side. And then he said to Thomas, Thomas, don't be unbelieving any longer, but be believing. 
And Thomas fell down in that moment before the Lord and he uttered one of the greatest confessions of faith that has ever been made. He cried out to Jesus and he said, my Lord and my God. You know, when we come to know Jesus, when we meet him, he opens our eyes and he changes our story the way that he changed Thomas's story. And, and he takes us from doubt to faith. He brings us to a place where we can say with Thomas, we can say this to the Lord Jesus, my Lord and my God. A friend, I don't know where you are right now on your journey of faith. Maybe the Lord has been uh, just working in your heart for years and years and years. And, and for whatever reason, you've never been willing to walk across that line and to fully commit your life to the Lord Jesus. But but today on this Easter Sunday in the middle of this crazy time with COVID-19, maybe right now that's what Jesus is saying to you. The same thing he said to Thomas, don't be unbelieving anymore, but be believing. I know somebody might say, well, pastor, we're at a disadvantage compared with Thomas and the other disciples. We can't see the resurrected Lord living 2,000 years later. We can't touch him uh, the way that Thomas was able to. But, but friend, remember that even these first disciples weren't saved because they saw. They were saved because they believed. And we can be saved the same way through belief, through faith in the Lord Jesus. In fact, right after Thomas said those words, my Lord and my God, Jesus actually said something that has reference to us who are living years and years after Thomas lived. Look at this in verse 29. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Christian, that's you and that's me on this Easter Sunday morning. We haven't seen Jesus with our physical eyes, but we have seen him with the eyes of faith and we have believed that he uh, has been raised from the dead. And because we are, according to Jesus, we are blessed. We are eternally joyful because of our faith in Jesus. You know, one more way that meeting Jesus changes our life story. Not only does it uh, take us from sadness to gladness, and not only does it take us from fear to peace, not only does it take us from doubt to faith, but also it takes us from death to life. You know, the last thing that John writes in chapter 20 is there in verses 30 and 31. Really, this is the reason why John wrote this whole book that we call the Gospel of John. Look at these words with me. He writes, and truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. In other words, John says, I haven't written down everything that Jesus did, everything that he taught. Verse 31, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So John is inviting those of us who are reading his words, even 2,000 years later, he's inviting us to a place of faith. He's inviting us to believe in Jesus who died and who rose again and to commit our lives to him. And he tells us that when we do that, that his story does become our story. 
that his resurrection does become our resurrection. In fact, here is the truth that I want you to hear, friend. Because Jesus rose from the grave, so can we. So can we. In fact, in that moment that we put our faith in Jesus, spiritually, a resurrection happens on the inside of us. We go from being spiritually dead because of our sin against God and the way that we have rebelled against him. We go from that place of spiritual death to a place of spiritual life. Because God completely forgives us of our sins. He fills us with his spirit. We become new people on the inside. He gives us a new reason for living. In other words, that life begins, that new resurrected life begins the moment that we believe in Jesus. We move from death to life. And then also we know that one day that we will have a resurrection just like the resurrection of the Lord, because we have a promise that one day, even though we die, we will live again with the Lord in heaven forever and ever. You know, that reminds me of something John wrote earlier in this gospel. It's probably the most famous verse in all the Bible. I don't know if you've heard it before or not, but it's found in John chapter 3, verse 16. This is what John wrote. It says, For God loved the world In this way, he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Friends, the story of the Bible is the story of Easter. And it's all right there in that verse that God loved us so much. He loved all of us so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus. That Jesus came that he lived that perfect life that you and I have not been able to live and he went to the cross and he died for your sin and for my sin, that he paid for it in full. And his body was laid in the tomb and then on that first Easter Sunday, he rose up from the dead and because he's alive even right now, it says here that when we believe in him, we will not perish, we won't die eternally the way that our sins deserve. But what does it say? Instead, we will have eternal life. You know, I believe there are some of you who are watching this right now on this Easter Sunday and God is speaking to your heart and God is is calling you today to a place of faith. He's calling you to believe in his risen son. He's inviting you to find a life in his name. Wherever you're watching this from, As you cry out to the God who made you and you ask him to save you, friend, he will hear you. And so even right now, would you just say something like this to God from your heart? You say, God, I know that I've sinned against you. And on that first Easter, I believe he rose up from the grave. God, right now, I want to ask Jesus to come into my heart. I want to ask you to forgive me. God, make me a new person. I want Jesus to be my Lord and my master from this day on. God, would you help me to live for you? And God, I thank you today for saving me just like you promised. In Jesus' name, amen.